This is the Rich Eisen Show. The second pick, the New York Jets select. It'll be Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson, then all of a sudden Mac Jones, and then all of a sudden Justin Fields, and it'll be, no, no, it's Zach Wilson. And everybody's going to be like, what the hell are they waiting for? The Rich Eisen Show with guest host Ryan Leaf. Today's guests, NFL Network reporter Tom Pelissero, host of the Ross Tucker podcast, Ross Tucker, co-host of Pro Football Talk, Chris Sims, plus from Pac-12 Network, Guy Haberman. And now, sitting in for Rich, it's Ryan Leaf. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Rich Eisen Show. I am back in the big fella's chair. I, I swear, I think this is uh, becoming a thing, guys. <laughs> yeah. well, it's a thing we can all get behind. Yeah, uh, I'm here with TJ Jefferson, here to my right. Uh, and in Mike Del Tufo's chair, Jason Feller. Yes. I want to make sure I got that right. Can we hire register on that? Feller. Yeah. Feller. <laughs> Jason Feller on the ones and twos for us today, as well as uh, our friend Chad Brockman. Um, oh, it had to happen, right? So we went through some. Uh, we went through something before the show. Like he has really a bad taste in his mouth about Chad Brockman. I don't know if he exists out there, but after you hit your first home run as a little leaguer, yep. the newspaper the next day called you Chad Brockman. Called me Chad. Still stings to this day. Do you think there could be some post-traumatic <laughs> stress stuff? Uh, I mean, I only ever hit one home run after that. So, yeah, probably. I, yeah, think, probably. I think it really affected my baseball career. Chris Brockman yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey. Uh, uh, playing third base there for us. Um, <laughs> seriously, though, this is like becoming a thing now, right? I'm... Uh, this, what? I don't know. Hosted like... This will be my seventh time hosting this year. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. This show? There's a bromance brewing. <laughs> It's been seven times already? I've been told, it will be after tomorrow. Okay. I've been told that I don't have like any in-between relationships. Either like <laughs> it's a bromance. Or, or it's nothing. Or, it or it's exist. nothing. Or it's just like an acquaintance. Like, hey, <laughs> yeah, he, I know him. You're like, uh, you're like brand newbie and back in the day, you got to love me or leave me alone. Like, that, is, that is all in on that. <laughs> yes. I'm all in. Like if, uh, like in the dating world these days, I'm the guy that's like, I'm, I want to be all in, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, right? If I like her, I want to spend as much time I can with her. And if totally. she looks, if she looks at me sideways, like I don't, I don't. Uh, we don't need to spend, you know, all week together. I'm like, why not? Do you not like me? <laughs> Are you you're, trying to say you're clingy? I don't think I'm clingy. I just think I like spending time with people I like. That and if they sense. don't, and if they don't want to spend time with me, if they don't feel the same way, then I'm like, all right, peace. Especially after the last year when we were so Deuces. apart from everybody, right? You want that. That's a perfect example of what we're about to see tonight. Yeah, like, you're, you're all in like the 49ers are all in on Mac Jones. <laughs> hmm. We'll talk about that. But, <laughs> you know, if you're a player, you're like, oh, if you love me so much, if you like me so much, move into the top 10. Mm-hmm. Go you get know? me. Come, Come get, me. get me. This is about this is about building a relationship. You got you to gotta invest in me as much as I got to invest in you. So why don't you throw out some draft capital, a couple picks for next year. Come get me. We'll have a good week. We'll have a good week. Well, that's what we're at, guys. All right? It is draft day. 23 years ago, I was in this exact spot. Now, for me, it was a little different in that I knew I was going to go second. Right? I knew I was going to be one of the first two picks. So I didn't have to worry too much about... You know what that day was going to look like. I was going to show up within 30 minutes. I was going to have my hear my name called. I was going to be whisked off. Well, 
I went to bed the night before. Well, the whole let's go into the whole week. All right, we get there early. Yeah. I have about 25, 30 members of my family uh, that are there with us. My grandparents, um, you know, my brothers, my mom and dad, my aunts and uncles. Somehow, my dad's old boss and his family made the trip. <laughs> I didn't understand like business or anything like that. Like, you know, and I, I don't remember. I, they had kids that I went to high school with. In fact, I think one of them was my wide receivers. I didn't have a really good relationship with these kids or they were just there. And I, and I asked the question years later and he's like, Hey, right. He's my boss, you know? Hey, Hey boss. I got tickets to the uh, NFL draft this year. You coming? You coming? (laughs) Huh? You gonna make sure I get those, uh, those, those two new clients that are coming on board next year, you know, that type of thing. I don't know. But anyway, there was a group of people there, and there was, so these, funny. There was these other ones, right? They were, um, so we got to go through a, 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 on a ferry through the harbor to see the Statue of Liberty. Um, we were mostly in events with Peyton Manning and Charles Woodson and Curtis Enos. Uh, Curtis Enos. Running back out of Penn State yeah. at the time. He would go yeah. to the Chicago Bears. Um, we did stuff all week. We did some things with, you know, Total Request Live with Carson Daly. Thing, I mean, just, it was a week of... Those were the days. Those were the days, right? Uh, dressing in clothes that were way too baggy for you way at the time. <laughs> uh, Michael Jordan uh, tailored, uh, had us uh, all tailored up for that. Luckily for me, uh, stopped into uh, Tommy Hilfiger. Nice. Uh, they fitted me for my draft. So I, I do think my draft attire that day would it was a little baggy and it would be a little more slim cut now but i do think the fabric the look i think it would fit in really well in today's i think it would pass today i'm looking at the photo right now you got a little black uh kind of accents on your lapel what uh what color tie is that is that like a dark purple something it was like a, that? it was like a shimmering tie like yeah. it was like how i turned it was almost uh was it like washington state burgundy maybe yeah it had a little it yeah. had a little uh crimson to it and then if you turn just slightly there was like a gray it was it was nice they were all it was all tommy hill figure nice they, three button yep and it was a white it was a white collar with a light blue powder blue oh. shirt so it was two-toned Bob Craft Collection. Yes, and they had the little uh, Charger logo. As you can see there, the Charger logo was on before the draft started. So if Indianapolis would have, tra- have drafted me, I don't know what I don't know if I would have taken it off oh. or not. You know, I <laughs> said I said you guys screwed up. This see this this is what we're doing. Um, <laughs> that would have been in hindsight so funny to you standing up there with Jim Irsay and the Colts brass. And you have a lightning bolt pin on. <laughs> and then every one of my family members, every one of my family members in the audience had these big foam lightning bolts on their hands. I mean, we were ri- we were rip roaring and ready to go to Diego. All right, we were like, you know, sun out, buns out. You know, that's what we were that's what we were doing in that moment. Well, so I go to bed like at nine thirty the night before the draft. I it, I was calm. There was I just knew what was going to happen. I was excited. So we get up and I go down and have breakfast with my grandfather and my grandma. My, now, my grandfather was, he would pass away in the next few years, but he was there. He had his oxygen tank on, you know, and wheeling it around wow. everywhere. And we were having breakfast that morning. And I remember my mom telling me something about just, you know, how proud, uh, what a proud moment for him to be there and be a part of it. But I just, you know, so exciting. But we all had an itinerary and a schedule of when the buses left to go to, it was at Radio City Music Hall at the time, okay, yep. 23 years ago. Yep. And there was no primetime draft. This was Saturday, Sunday. Three rounds on Saturday, four rounds on Sunday. So uh, I think it kicked off at 10 a.m. 
uh, Eastern or something, or noon Eastern, I can't remember. But anyway, there was a schedule set for everybody to be on the bus. Uh, there was multiple buses, but you know the guys that were going to be drafted at the very top, they felt, which is interesting that the NFL has an idea where you're going to get drafted. Uh, <laughs> but they put you on the first bus. So we're waiting on the first bus, you know, Peyton Manning and the Manning family is there, my family, uh, Charles Woodson and his family and everybody, and we're just we're waiting on the bus, but my my brother and my cousin are nowhere to be found, okay? Now, my brother is 17, 17 at the time, 18 at the time, I think, and my other cousin was 16, I believe, and they're, they're nowhere to be found. And so we're sitting on this bus as it's just idling, waiting to go get drafted, and I'm just looking at, like, the Manning family, like searing holes through the back of my family's heads. Like <laughs> we, we have to go get drafted. Our son has to go get drafted. You know, this will be the, we'll do this again in a couple of years, but it'll be our family's tradition to do this. Uh, everybody. And uh, we keep waiting. We keep waiting 15, 20 minutes now, 20 minutes waiting on a bus. And we're like, why are we waiting for an 18 year old kid from Montana and a 16 year old kid from Montana who seemingly have been lost in New York? Okay. <laughs> But we are. And then all of a sudden, here come these, you know, kids that are fractionally dressed up for this draft, uh, stumbling onto the the bus. And we don't get a straight answer of where they were. They just kept saying they were sorry. They were sorry. So as we're going, I finally just turn around and the look on my face at my little brother, like, you know, I want to wring his neck. This is the biggest day of my life. What are you doing? You're ruining (laughs) it for me. Everything, Jeffrey. (laughs) And he goes like, he kind of just put kind of peeks into his pocket and he holds up this thing up in front of me. And, and what they were doing is they were running around Times Square getting fake IDs. <laughs> Mission accomplished <laughs> by both of them. I, I wonder how long they use those <laughs> fake IDs then for... They had to have you. I mean, for the next... I don't know how long. A couple he would, years, right? He would go to San Diego State the next year, and I wonder if that fake ID got the, the play that it... But that's what held it up. Now, I don't know if anybody, not everybody's knowing the story now. So, Jeff, your, your, your story's being thrown out on that Front Street crazy. here. But I don't know if the Mannings or anybody else knew why we were actually late. They were just like, oh, those, those Leafs. Those, those damn Leafs. They don't care about anybody but themselves. <laughs> and away we went. We drove. We got there. We went through a little media. They shuffled us down to a downstairs green room. And we watched it all play out in real time. The Indianapolis Colts. Chose first, and as you know, you were put on the clock. They used the 15 minutes for free marketing, essentially. Your team is talked about for 15 minutes. Your logo was placed up on top there. And my, my agent, Lee Steinberg, told me about this. He said, hey, it's okay. When the charges are up, they're not going to call your name right away. It doesn't mean they, they're, they're you know, making up their mind. They, they utilize this time because... Um, of all the, the free national marketing they get uh, during that time. So for 15 minutes, you know, and then right, you know, the ding, the, 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 the ding and the commissioner walks up and says, um, with the second pick of the 1998 NFL draft, the San Diego Chargers select quarterback, Washington State, Ryan Leaf. And everything that I had worked for, Everything that my parents had sacrificed, um, the missed meals, uh, working late, um, overtime, so we would go without wanting, um, everything just kind of came to fruition in that moment, and I got to share it with all of them. 
the ironic thing, and we see this play out all the time now, and I know Chris and I feel pretty similar in this, is that when you are drafted, and last year after after being at virtual and home with all their families, I really thought that was going to catch on and we'd see more players actually stay home. Um, Trevor Lawrence is staying around his family, his teammates and everything to celebrate tonight. Um, I was even surprised he was going to allow cameras into into the, the event. How, how great would it be if, if no one even saw the, the, the tree get chopped down in the woods, right? Right. You know, if it doesn't make a sound, does it really happen? If Trevor Lawrence is drafted number one overall, but nobody sees it, <laughs> does it really happen? What a move that would have been. Baller move. Baller move. I, I really to do see believe my that. draft reaction, log on to my YouTube page and pay $5. That's the way to do it, man. And that's how you control the narrative. Oh, that is so genius. You walking <laughs> so up genius. onto the, the, the stage and hugging a man that you've never met before. And most likely you'll never meet again unless you are in trouble and have to go to the front office to find out how long you were suspended or something. That for me is the propaganda machine of the NFL. And we're seeing it on full, full go right now. I get up there. I want to hug my father, my mentor, my coach, people that were there with me through the whole time. You know, it, it just seems ironic. I think it would be hilarious and, and, and very apropos of, if the guy goes up there and Roger puts out the arm for the hugs and he's just like, he just like throws him the Heisman. Yeah. Like, he's like, nah, like, we're good. Handshake. Nah. All right. We'll be seeing you, bro. And, uh, uh, that would be the, that, that would be an interesting way to go. I don't, I don't understand it. This is a way to start your own narrative. I love that. If you want to watch me get drafted number one overall, subscribe to YouTube and pay five dollars, five ninety nine. Everybody. We got it. This goes towards some special kind of cause. What a way to start things up there. We have a great show, by the way. Um, um, we have Tom P- uh, Pelissero from the NFL Network. Mm-hmm. He's going to come on and talk about all the rumors today. Ross Tucker from the Ross Tucker podcast is going to talk some O-line with me. I have a very interesting theory around who you should draft and who you should pay in free agency, at least at the high part of it. Chris Sims, his very interesting mock draft, has, doesn't have Justin Fields going till 32 I, this will be something I want to talk to him with. And Guy Haberman, he's a he's a co-host of mine that I work with a ton. Very good, very deep in the San Francisco 49er Bay Area. Bay Area. He has an interesting take on what they're going to do at three. But when we get back, we're going to hit all of those. Everything NFL draft today. You're listening to the Rich Eisen Show. I'm Ryan Lee filling in for Rich. We'll be right back. All righty, boys. We were talking golf a little bit. Yeah, bud. Before this. Last time me and Brockman went out, I threw up a whopping two under 70. Ooh. You were locked in. I was locked in a couple eagles. Locked in. And the balls I was, I chose to play that day, some Callaway Chrome Softs. I mean, I mean, if I don't play those golf balls that day, maybe. I mean, you're talking an 80, maybe? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, they were just. It helped me shoot 82. That's all I'm saying. And, and, and I'm not even in your league. Locked in. Phil Mickelson, Xander Shoffley, John Rahm, all those guys in, those, in your group making birdies, they all play Callaway Chrome soft golf balls. Uh, that's because Callaway doesn't just make a better ball for tour players. They make a better tour ball for everybody. That's the best way to put it. You need to find a golf ball that fits you. And it's not, and I think for the longest time, we watched people and the logos that were on it. What fits you best in this Callaway Chrome Softball fits the amateur golfer better than anyway. Incredible distance, soft feel, and short game control. 
The Chrome Soft X, the ball is designed to give elite players precision shot workability and amazing greenside action. Tom Pelissero is is next. We'll be joined by him from the NFL Network. It's NFL Draft Day, everybody, on the Rich Eisen Show. Excited. Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the sleep number smart bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase so all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed This is a letter written in March of 1998 to Colts owner Jim Ursay, who at the time, a month away in the draft, the decision between you and Peyton Manning. Right. It's from Hunter S. Thompson. (laughs) Oh, dear James. Dear James. Dear James, in response to your addled request for a quick $30 million loan to secure the services of the Manning kid, I have to say no at this time. But the Leaf Boy is another matter. He looks strong and Manning doesn't, or at least not strong enough to handle that welcome to the NFL business for two years without a world-class offensive line. How are you fixed at left OT for the next few years, James? Think about it. You don't want a China doll back there when that freak sap comes crashing in. (laughs) Okay, let me know if you need some money for Leaf. I expect to be very rich when this Depp movie comes out. Your faithful consultant, Hunter, and it's signed HST, with at the bottom scrawled in uh, handwriting, CC John Walsh ESPN and CC Colonel Depp. How did you come into possession of this letter? So I'm a Chicago Cubs fan, and they were in town last week, and I was sitting there behind the, the dugout, and a guy... In L.A., here. In, here in L.A., and a guy tapped me on the shoulder and, and said, are you Ryan? Are you Ryan Leaf? I said, yes, sir. And, and he said, uh, man, I'm just, you know, such a fan of what you're doing now with the foundation and everything like that. And he just, we talked for a little bit. And he's like, have you ever... Have you ever seen that the Hunter S. Thompson letter? And I'm like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Would you like to see it? And I said, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, 
I didn't believe it for a second, right? And there it came in the email, and I showed it to my my fiance, who's a, a huge Hunter S. Thompson fan, and we read it, and I just the absurdity of the fact that a Hunter S. Thompson knew who I was, and b that he was he was trying to persuade Mr. Ursay to draft me instead was just comical. And tw- not to see it for 20 years, how does it, it just, it's just nowhere to be found. Nowhere to be found. Right. I called John Walsh of ESPN, and he says, because he's known Hunter and his family's known Hunter S for, for years, he said his wife was like, why are they thinking it's not real? And as a matter of fact, it's a thousand percent real. Wow. Wow. And Hunter S. Thompson was a huge NFL fan. And obviously had an opinion on, on the 1998 draft. This well, I is. think now that we know that every, a lot of people had an opinion on the 1998 <laughs> NFL draft. This and is amazing. Isn't that amazing? I love that line is that you don't want a China doll back there when that freak sap comes crashing in. The irony That's of all this, right? The That's irony true. of this, he would go on and play, start the most consecutive games of anybody. That's and <laughs> I would be injured going into year two and miss the entire oh, season. So we're just... Just reminding people. Strong, underlined. Yes, strong. Welcome back, everybody, to the Rich Eisen Show. I am not Rich Eisen. I'm Ryan Lee filling in for it. The big man is in Cleveland. If he hasn't fallen into the lake yet, he's going to host NFL uh, draft and he'll be calling in a little bit later to talk to us about everything that's going on. Let's get right to our guests here. Uh, It's rumor day, right? Uh, Tom Palacero from the NFL Network is joining us to tell us all about what he's heard, what this day is going to look like. Tom, Ryan Leaf here filling in for Rich. How you doing, buddy? Busy, Ryan. This is a a unique draft for a lot of different reasons. Uh, You know, obviously on the day of round one, there is, as you mentioned, always a lot of stuff uh, flying. But just given the uncertainty with the quarterbacks, given the uncertainty uh, in terms of the way the board breaks in the first round, uh, I would anticipate we are in for a 12 or so hours of surprises. (laughs) (laughs) What, uh, What surprises today have you heard that you feel have some real validity um, because a lot of the stuff, and what I really do think is today is a microcosm of what the last three months have looked like. You really can't believe one word that's said out there because we don't have any idea why somebody's saying it, what their motivations are, until they actually step up to the podium and make their pick. Well, that's exactly it. Right now, you have you know every team, and I've had you know right before you guys called and I hung up on your producer the first time. Sorry about that because I was on the phone with the GM. Everybody's trying to figure out what's going on. But it's not really going to become, in many cases, real until we see what happens for sure at number three. Because as much as everybody you know, has speculated in terms of Mac Jones uh, or Trey Lance, what happens at that spot is going to have a trickle-down effect on what happens uh, elsewhere in the top ten. Who among the many teams that have been trying to trade up into the top ten, whether that's the Vikings, the Patriots, the Eagles, the Saints, who is willing to to make that type of move and to give up the draft capital. Uh, there's just so many unknowns that, and again, we could have a deal at any point. We've already seen multiple deals in advance uh, of the draft, people moving around the board. Uh, but a lot of the action is really going to occur within the round, which is going to make for exciting TV on NFL Network and uh, some other networks I won't mention. And But, you know, we may not know exactly what that what happens and how much of that talk becomes reality until we get going. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you there. The 49ers, we know there's going to be a quarterback there. I, I really think it, it the, the dominoes that could fall really hinge on the Falcons at four because they become, are they still a team that is interested in a quarterback or did Arthur Smith, when he got there, find that Matt Ryan is still the guy and they can either trade out of that spot and do a lot of damage with some different draft picks or they can take a guy there and then you're talking about two quarterbacks now that fall can fall anywhere between four and what 20 probably but if they decide to move out of that spot or take a quarterback and you have the one out of the five left you could see a bunch of teams wanting to jump up there to make sure they get the quarterback before they're all gone there's no question that five quarterbacks are going to go in round one at this point i wouldn't rule out seeing all five go in the top 10, just because of the amount of teams that are hovering and knowing you've got teams like the Panthers at eight and the Broncos at nine, that potentially, even after Denver uh, made a deal with Carolina yesterday for Teddy Bridgewater, and even after the Panthers acquired Sam Darnold, those teams still could be in the mix uh, for quarterbacks. And that's why several days ago, those that was the hot spot. Seven, eight, nine is where other teams were uh, calling around uh, in terms of potential trades. Now, in terms of Atlanta, uh, you know certainly they evaluated their options. You have to remember Matt Ryan won the MVP five years ago playing a very similar system to what Arthur Smith is going to be installing. Uh, they have some weapons. We know about them getting calls on Julio Jones. You know Their salary cap situation is not ideal at all at this stage. Uh, we'll see whether or not anything happens there. The prevailing thought within the league, in recent days has been that if the Falcons stay, which it seems, again, as of now, that they will, simply because they've been open to trades, they've gotten calls, they've not gotten anything uh, that's made them to this point consider moving, the belief in the league has been that they take Florida tight end Kyle Pitts, which, if you still have Julio, would potentially give you Pitts, Julio, and Calvin Ridley uh, all on the same team. And I talked with a coach about this last night who was saying, I understand all these people are saying you got to get rid of one of them, a great problem to have with the way you can stress defenses with those three guys, even if it's for uh, just one year. So you've got a lot of young GMs, first-time GMs, who are going to be making some of these picks. You know, Trent Baalke, at number one with the Jaguars, has been a GM before, of course, in San Francisco, but that's a new program with Urban Meyer. you got a new coach at number two in Robert Sala with Joe Douglas, who has not drafted his own quarterback because Sam Darnold was from the prior regime. How is he going to handle this? The Falcons at four, Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith. This is their first time uh, going through this. Uh, and then at number seven, you got Brad Holmes uh, and Dan Campbell in Detroit. Well, you know, what are they going to do? Scott Fitterer is a new GM, too, with Denver at eight, George Payton at nine with the Broncos. All of which is to say a lot of times teams are evaluating the track record of other people. For instance, when Howie Roseman is calling every team in the top ten, everyone goes, that's Howie. He calls every team every year about every pick. Maybe he moves up, but maybe that's him doing his due diligence. With all these new GMs who are looking you know, to make impactful moves, especially in the top ten, it really puts a lot of chips on the table in these situations, especially when you've got five quarterbacks that, depending on what team you're talking to, uh, somebody's got them evaluated as potential franchise guys. We're talking to Tom Pelissaro from the NFL Network, Sirius XM radio host as well. A big day. What teams outside the top 10 are you looking at or focused on that are really trying to make an effort to get up there and move inside the top 10 to take a guy that they feel like they need? 
Well, again, the Eagles have been making those calls for days uh, over and over. We'll see whether anything comes of it. Uh, certainly there have been rumblings that they would be among the other teams. The belief has been they might be taking a defensive player, a corner, uh, you know, maybe quitty pay. But, you know, GMs don't call and tell the other teams who they're taking, so that's largely speculative. The Vikings have made a lot of calls. Potentially if one of the offensive tackles slides, that could be somebody they're targeting. The Patriots have called up and down the top 10, looking for their possibility to get in. The belief among the other teams that have gotten those calls is their guy uh, would be Justin Fields. And then I mentioned the Saints. I know Ian Rappaport first reported that this morning, that they've been calling about moving up, potentially even into the top 10. There's a variety of different directions that could go. They are always aggressive. They don't mind bundling picks and ending up with fewer draft picks overall to go up and get one guy they like. They did it with Marcus Davenport. A couple of years ago, they've done it in other cases. I would not surprise me at all if they get involved to move up. But the other thing is, again, going back to just because you don't know what happens at three, you don't know who is going to begin to slide. You don't know what's going to happen necessarily at four or five either. Do the Bengals take Jamar Chase or do they take Panay Sewell? If they take Panay Sewell, all of a sudden the Dolphins are sitting there staring at Jamar Chase or potentially being able to trade down with somebody who really wants to go up and get Chase. There's all sorts of directions this can go, and the pivot point really begins with what happens at that number three pick. Speaking of that number three pick, it belongs to the San Francisco 49ers. We're talking to Tom Pelissero from the NFL Network about today's NFL draft. So Jimmy Garoppolo's name, of course, has been drug around uh, since they've moved up to this spot. Uh, initially, Jimmy's their their planned quarterback. Whoever they get is a guy that's going to learn. But uh, we're hearing some rumblings around him possibly being on the trade block. Uh, again, rumors today. Where do we stand with Jimmy Garoppolo as the 49ers starting quarterback? And will that continue to be in 2021? Well, my understanding has been you can anticipate multiple teams are going to be checking in with the 49ers about a potential trade. The one team that's obvious on paper and has been linked to this forever is Garoppolo's old team, uh, the Patriots. But you've got some complicating factors in any potential Jimmy G deal because the 49ers, for one thing, are not going to give Garoppolo away. He could still, depending who they take at number three, be their week one starter. He also has a no-trade clause that actually kicked in last month. It didn't exist in the first three years of his contract, but it does as of the beginning of the league year last month. And he's also due $25.5 million in 2021. So all he has to do to scuttle any deal is not agree to restructuring his contract. That's a lot of moving parts. It would be challenging for the 49ers to move him unless it would be part of potentially a bigger deal where some high-priced player is going back to the 49ers. Nothing imminent. There have been no discussions, I'm told, about uh, negotiating a new contract elsewhere, which would basically be a prerequisite to doing this deal. But that is going to be absolutely one of the things to watch over the coming days. We already got one quarterback trade yesterday with Teddy Bridgewater being dealt to Denver. Anytime, and that, of course, is a product of Sam Darnold being acquired by the, by the Panthers. Anytime that you've got players joining teams, there is going to be some veterans who suddenly come available. The biggest challenge, perhaps, of all for moving any player, whether that is you know, Julio Jones, Zach Ertz, uh, any of the other names that we've heard in recent months, because the salary cap is down as much as it is this year, it's even trickier for teams to acquire a high-priced player. Nobody wants to take on salary right now. It doesn't mean that they can't, but you're talking about pay cuts and restructures. 
other things that are complicated. Remember, you cannot execute a trade for a player if you do not have the salary cap space. You can't say, well, we're going to restructure it. No, you need to have that worked out or else the guy counts immediately against your cap and you're in violation. So any of those types of deals with veteran players, if they're going to happen, they can't happen while teams are on the clock, unless you're a team that's sitting there with a mountain of cap space. Yeah, I mean, you can't. You're not going to be able to restructure and move things around in 15 minutes before your commissioner gets up and announces that pick. Speaking of which... And you can't physical a guy. You right. Can't, you can't have the medical on him either, so you run the risk. Somebody comes in, fails their physical, you gave up a 2021 draft pick, now you got to figure out what to do getting 2022 compensation. It's not ideal for anyone, which is why these deals need to get done in advance. Speaking of making that draft pick, all right, you talked about it. You said uh, the first round hinges on on what the 49ers do and who they choose. Now, before I ask you who that's going to be, there's been speculation after Kyle Shanahan's press conference the other day that they moved up with no idea who, who they were going to draft, right? It was a, a mat- all five guys were very capable. We, we know Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson are going one and two. That's been highly debated uh, and been um, put to rest a while ago. It's between three guys. Um, and they knew who they loved when they moved up. If they didn't, then that's a dysfunctional organization. You, if you're going to make that much movement, that many waves in a decision to move up and draft that high, you know who you love and who you're going to draft. So they, they know, and they've known for a while, what do we know? Who do they draft tonight, third overall? You're right that they had a very good idea at the time they made the move who they would be comfortable taking. Mac Jones from Alabama, from everything I understand, was the guy who was the easiest fit into their offense because he is a quick processor, he is accurate. Those are the two traits Kyle Shanahan looks for more than anything else. And Alabama runs a variation of the same system. So much like Zach Wilson, who we believe is going to be, most likely, even though, we, of course, we can't tip picks, but every expectation is that he'd be the Jets' pick at number two. He also ran a variation of that same offense at BYU. It's much easier to project what quarterbacks are going to be, as you know well, Ryan, if you've seen them on tape making all the throws and doing all the things you're going to ask them to do in the NFL. But because they made the 49ers made that trade as early as they did, they had a chance to go in, see Justin Fields live, see Trey Lance alive, get to know those guys, do Zooms with them. And it certainly sounds, in Trey Lance's case in particular, as if he was very impressive, which is not surprising. Of all the quarterbacks, all the players in this entire draft, there is nobody, based upon all the conversations I've had with coaches, uh, with general managers, with scouts, who grades out higher in terms of the intangibles and the overall makeup than Trey Lance. You know, Trevor Lawrence, we've watched for three years. Everybody knows what he is. He has everything, checks every box as well. And that's not to downgrade Lawrence or any other quarterback in the draft. But there are rare qualities with Trey Lance that the 49ers are not the only team intrigued by. Very early in the process, everything I heard from scouts was, watch this guy rise through the process because whatever you see in terms of holes on tape, and a big one for coaches is Trey Lance's accuracy, especially if you started – and the first exposure was that Central Arkansas game where he did not play well. He did not throw the ball well. But the, the more time you spent with him from an intelligence, football IQ, work ethic, drive, all those things, everything lines up with Trey Lance, where, as one college scouting director put it to me, who just said it was brutal watching that tape, but he goes, whatever his 
ceiling is, he's going to get there. So it's the difference between with Mac Jones betting on the high floor, low ceiling, you know what he is, he's the most pro-ready, according to teams, or do you bet on the potential low floor, a potential high ceiling with a Trey Lance? And those are big-time organizational decisions that I don't blame any team for going through every single step of the process and figuring out whether or not you've got the right guy. You didn't mention Justin Fields, and I, I want to ask you this last question before we let you go and get on your way. Um, why why hasn't he been in the mix? He has all those things you talked about, a very high ceiling. Uh, he's played uh, an incredible schedule over the last two years in one of the highest uh, highest universities you can imagine in terms of competition. Never lost a Big Ten football game. Why, why has he continued to slide, and why isn't he a reasonable answer for the 49ers at three? I would, think, I would say, Ryan, it's too soon to say that Justin Fields is going to slide. There are a lot of people, particularly coaches, who love Justin Fields. We all know what the questions were going into the process. It was about processing, because he's coming from an Ohio State offense that limits what the quarterback has to read. It raised some questions on tape, but everyone at Ohio State vouches for him. The coaches I've talked to have spent time with Justin Fields say, yeah, he hasn't been asked to do certain things, but do I think he can do it? Yes. It was also about some of the early things you heard from a leadership perspective, going back to 2019, when he transferred from Georgia, didn't really get to know his teammates all that well, was just solely focused on winning the job. But the word on that improved out of the school in 2020, that he did step forward in a leadership role. He got praise for starting the petition to bring back fall football in the Big Ten. And we've obviously seen him take some big shots like he did against Clemson, things that would wipe out some other guys, come back in and play well. You like all those traits with Justin Fields. So the way that I have broken this down from the beginning, and Ryan, I will be honest with you, I haven't watched one lick of tape outside of the highlights I see on NFL Network. I don't know what I'm looking at. I'm not a scout. I'm not a former quarterback. I just know what people in the league think. And the way that the consensus breaks down within the league, and this was before the process as well as now that we're right at the end of the process with the draft beginning tonight, it was Trevor Lawrence one, Zach Wilson a close two, then you had a group of three quarterbacks in Justin Fields, Trey Lance, and Mac Jones who are going to be ranked differently by every team. I guarantee you there are teams that have Justin Fields as the number three quarterback, if not higher than that, on their board. Consensus, Lawrence one, Wilson two. Those three guys are the next three in some order. But they're going. there's going to be variance just like there is in that next group with the day two quarterbacks of Kellen Mond, Davis Mills, and Kyle Prast. Those three are going to be ranked differently on every different board. And that's the beauty of the draft. It's about fit. It's about whether you bet on the intangibles. It's about, obviously, the physical traits that are going to jump out with some of these guys more than others. And Mac Jones is not going to look as good with his shirt off as Trey Lance and Justin Fields. That is just the fact of the matter. But he brings other things to the table, and if he ends up being the 49ers pick at number three, it's because when Kyle Shanahan looks at him and he is in full control in San Francisco, it's the processing it's the accuracy. It's his belief that that's the best guy who gives him the best chance to have a great deal of success in San Francisco. Well, we all know who didn't look good in a picture at the NFL Combine who ended up going to the New England Patriots and sitting in Josh McDaniel's offense. I like Mac Jones if he slides to 15 
for the New England Patriots. We're talking to Tom Pelissero from the NFL Network. Thanks, Tom. We really appreciate your time. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Pelissero. NFL Network provides live coverage of the 2021 NFL Draft starting tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern. Thanks so much for the insight, Tom. Thanks for having me, Ryan. You bet. So, I mean, a lot of what we've been hearing in terms of who who plan who who we believe could be movers in the draft. Um, I don't think ultimately there's going to be a lot of movement. Um, there may be some teams that slide back because of the year we're in, the cap number and everything like that. But I think every team that's in a place in the top 15 right now has a player they can draft, whether they move up or not, where they where, where, will be a right fit for them. Now, we're going to get into this uh, a little bit more, and it's my philosophy around who you draft, when you draft them, and who you pay in free agency, okay? That is huge. We're going to get into that when we come back. My philosophy as I audition to be a general manager in the NFL. You're listening to The Rich Eisen Show. I'm Ryan Leaf. We'll be right back. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people. Or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just... Find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. It's that time of year, people. Spring has sprung, and that means spring cleaning, or at least the partner in your life is demanding that you do it. Whether that means stocking up on cleaning supplies or swapping out your winter clothes for new spring clothes, make sure you're using Ibotta and get real cash back with every purchase. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to toys. The average Ibotta user earns $256 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, that flight you've been eyeing, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Join the over 50 million users and earn cash back every time you shop from over 2,700 brands and retailers. And right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 for just trying Ibotta by using the code Eisen when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use my code E-I-S-E-N. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use my code Eisen. Were you a trial lawyer? Yeah. Well, I, yeah, yeah, I was a commercial litigator. So, so I did, like, did trial ladies work. and gentlemen of the jury, like you did that, you have yeah. opening statement, closing statement. Mm-hmm. The one case that I had that was somewhat 
gained some notoriety was I represented a costume manufacturer against Barney the Purple Dinosaur. <laughs> so the the the, okay. the group that owned the rights to Barney went around, and they have to do this called Lions Partnership. They were they were suing people who were infringing upon the the image and likeness of Barney. And so if you don't you know protect your rights, you can lose them. So sure. it just kind of happens that way. So I was representing a guy named Philip Morris who owned a Morris Costumes. And he described himself as the Colonel Sanders of the costume industry. They sold this thing called Hillary the Hippo, which looked exactly like Barney. <laughs> and it was just being rented for people to do, uh, you know, t uh, parties yeah. for their kids and yeah. all that. So we wanted to settle the case right away, but they wouldn't settle it because they wanted to make a they wanted to make an example out of it. Oh, no. So we went to federal court and won. No kidding. Yeah, we won. And, uh, and we wound up, then it went to uh, the, the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals. I had to argue about Barney the Purple Dinosaur one step away from the United States Supreme Court. The funniest part, and because the case is over, I can say this now. Yes. Um, I, had, I had had the costume, the evidence of the trial, I had the costume at home for some reason. Yes. And my wife and her friends used it to have a birthday party for some of our kids. <laughs> For some of the kids in the neighborhood and they had all you know this is back before cell phone pictures and all that so sure. they had pictures of all this i'm like are you what are you doing <laughs> like do you realize this could end the trial right here if if the you know if the other side got a hold of this is that this why would... it never made it to the supreme court no 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 oh, okay. no we wound up uh it, it, yeah, that that never would have made a period but the fact that it made it the fourth circuit court of appeals i would have loved it just uh just to hear jay bellis justice renquist i ask you i subpoenaed <laughs> barney to the trial <laughs> This Honest gets, to God, it gets. Better. I subpoenaed Barney to the trial. The other side said, "You know, Your Honor, um, you know, we can't do that. There are only three of these costumes in existence. It's yes. on the road doing this. It's hardship of bringing it in, and the costume is uh, six foot eight inches tall, weighs like two hundred and fifty pounds or whatever." And I stood up. And I said, "Your Honor, I'm six eight and I weigh about two forty. I got in here just fine." <laughs> And so the judge ordered the costume and they brought it, they brought it, opened up this big truck and they wouldn't let anybody see it unless somebody was in it. Barney pops out of the back of a truck onto the loading dock. The judge came down, all the, the, the court reporter and every employee of the federal building was there with, uh, to see it. This is a celebrity, right? It was, the, it was the dumbest thing you'd ever seen in your life. <laughs>
and you draft the guy that rushes the passer. That's, That's who you draft high. That's who you pay in free agency. I don't want to continue to hear about how wide receiver friendly and heavy these last two drafts are. Great. If that's the case, you can get a wide receiver in the second, third, fourth rounds. Stop reaching for guys so high. So, okay. You pay the passer. Let's throw up my first 10 here, guys, on my mock draft. This is 1 through 10 for me, okay? You pay a passer. Trevor Lawrence, number one, out of Clemson. Zach Wilson, two, to the Jets. Now, I do believe Justin Fields is the number two quarterback in this year's draft. I really, really do. Now, there's a huge chasm between where Trevor Lawrence is and where the other four are. But I just... I just didn't want Justin to go to the Jets because I knew we'd never hear from him again. And I'm sorry, Zach. <laughs> we're, everybody, tonight might be the last time we hear Zach Wilson's name for, for forever either because he is going to the Jets. Yes, sorry, Rich. Um, sorry, Rich Eisen. So I have Justin Fields. You know, we just talked <laughs> to sorry, Tom Palacero about that. I got Justin Fields going three overall to Ohio State. I do believe the round hinges on four, what the Falcons do. I can't get past what Kyle Pitts is. It really doesn't fit my philosophy as much. I go defense here because that's the reason that Dan Quinn doesn't have a job and the reason they are in a position to draft fourth overall. But you add this guy to the mix and you have that offense, maybe you just outscore everybody in Arthur Smith's offense for the next two years until you build that defense back. And then the conversation around what the Bengals should do at number five, I think it is absolutely hilarious that Jamar Chase's name continues to show up on these mock drafts, okay? You don't need another receiver. You need somebody to protect your franchise quarterback. What yeah. was the liability last year, everybody? The yeah. O-line. And what happens? He got hurt. He broke his body. <laughs> yeah. Like in terrible places. So here it is. This is a bottom line. Real simple here, all right? Do you want Joe Burrow throwing to Brandon Tate and T. Higgins? Or do you want Brandon Allen to be throwing to Jamar Chase? That's that's the that's the decision you have to make here. Wow, pretty easy. Can pretty I, easy. You take, take the, the best offensive right? lineman in this year's draft in Panay Sewell. Okay, that's how that works. That's how you go with that. Then the Dolphins with the extra pick this round. I'm okay with you taking a wide receiver because he's so good. Jamar Chase steps into the box there with Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, they already have some pretty good receivers. If you wanted to go someplace else, I'm okay with that. They had to get rid of some defensive players uh, that they didn't make right decisions on in terms of cap value and got rid of them this offseason. The Lions, they need a wide receiver. They lost Kenny Galladay in free agency. They don't have anybody to throw to right now, essentially. Devontae Smith there at seven for them. I wouldn't be surprised if they go defense as well. At eight, Carolina Panthers take Patrick Sertain the second out of Alabama. Um, they need a defensive player. They went and got their quarterback. They got rid of the quarterback problem, which you got to say, ownership, front office, terrible mistake. $31 million you gave to a quarterback that isn't even there for one year. Okay? That's a sizable check to to write for somebody that wasn't in your long-term plans when you thought they were. All right? Number nine, the Denver Broncos. They go O-line to protect said quarterbacks, Drew Locke and... Uh, now Teddy Bridgewater, Rashawn Slater, offensive tackle out of Northwestern. Again, if you guys look at this, 
Passers, pass protectors right now, okay? And the Dallas Cowboys go with J.C. Horn. They need a corner. So that's my top 10. You can see which way I'm going. This will shock a little bit more people, as you know. Mac Jones' name hasn't been read. Either is Trey Lance's. All right, let's go to the second 10 here, okay? All right, the New York Giants. You're not going to take a receiver. You're not going to take a running back. Christian Derrishaw out of Virginia Tech offensive tackle. Philadelphia Eagles. Can't go wrong here. You got too many options. Just don't overthink it. Yep. Zavin Collins, linebacker, tackling machine out of Tulsa. All right. San Diego, oh, sorry. Los Angeles Chargers. Hmm. Take offensive lineman out of USC, Elijah Vera Tucker, to protect uh, our man Justin Herbert. Jack, that money maker. Very necessary. Yeah. The Minnesota Vikings take Tevin Jenkins, Oklahoma State offensive tackle, another offensive player. All right. Here we are. 15, New England. They haven't had to move, and they get their guy, Mac Jones. Ooh. He is. He is Tom Brady coming out of college. Not as successful as Tom. Not a, uh, he's more a more success, successful more Tom successful, Brady coming yeah. out of college, right? They look the same. They go into Josh McDaniels in a New England's offense. I think he flourishes there. If he falls to 15, which I, I don't think he is, most likely going to fall that far. But if he does, boy, New England gets their guy. Arizona Cardinals, Greg Newsome, the second cornerback out of Northwestern. They replace Patrick Peterson. The Las Vegas Raiders get Micah Parsons, linebacker out of Penn State. They need a linebacker there. There's been a bunch of talk about different guys. The Dolphins now with their 18th pick. They go defense. They go an edge rusher from the South Florida area there. Jalen Phillips, edge rusher out of Miami. And here we are, the Washington football team. They get their guy. They get their quarterback. Trey Lance, in my eyes, this is the best possible version of where he could go, goes to the Washington football team quarterback out of North Dakota State. I don't believe he's going to last that long, just with all the things we talked about. And there we go. All right, let's go to the last 10 here before we get out of here. Um, uh, Aziz Ojalari out of Georgia. Caleb Farley, the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, well, a lot of ch- talk about him this week. Yeah. Uh, Jamin Davis, the, cor- the Kentucky linebacker. This is the one, the Steelers fans out there, don't take running backs, people. It's a wasted pick. What did you lose? You lost your center forever. Landon Dickerson out of Alabama goes there. Kawiti Pay out of Michigan goes to Jacksonville. Trevon Morig out of TCU Safety goes to the Cleveland Browns. Jalen Waddell, oh. big-time wide receiver, goes to the Baltimore Ravens at 27. Joe Tryon out of Washington to the Saints. Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss, slot receiver, to the Green Bay Packers, finally gets them over the top, gives Aaron Rodgers somebody to work with, a first-round wide receiver draft choice. Buffalo takes Jason Owa out of Penn State. Baltimore then goes to replace defensive front Christian Barmore. And the big one here, the Atlanta Falcons swap picks with the Tampa Bay Bucks from 35 to 32 to jump up and take Davis Mills, quarterback, Stanford, to be the replacement for Matt Ryan here in the next couple of years. That's my big move. Um, you love Davis. They Mills. get the fifth year option with him. That's yeah. what I think they now. That's mine. That's mine. And I have a philosophy. As you saw, there are no running backs taken in the first round for me because you can get them later. All right. No more New York Giants, Saquon Barkley drafting second overall. All right. That ain't happening. No Zeke at four. No, we're not doing that anymore. So we're going to get into the old lineman in this draft with Ross Tucker next. He's going to talk to us a little bit about that. He's from the Ross Tucker football podcast. We'll be joining him next here on the Rich Eisen show. I'm Ryan Leaf. 
now I think like, you know, if you, you look at what my mock draft looks like, it's loaded with O-linemen. It just is. Yeah. And it's not flashy. It's right. Not, a year not ago. Not sexy. It's not sexy. You know, O-linemen aren't sexy. You know, we're, I say we're, I was, I looked like an O-lineman earlier this year. Yeah. <laughs> um, you you know you you get guys to protect what lost the the Chiefs the Super Bowl this year their own line play Mahomes running for his life right Mahomes running for his life because they didn't have guys to protect they lost their right tackle and their left tackle yeah and then who made it a a hellish day for him Shaq Barrett yeah. JJ you know JPP and Nadamik and Sue that's pass rushers okay and look what the Chiefs did this whole offseason. yeah loaded it up loaded up the offensive line to protect Mahomes. And that's what you do in free agency as well. That's who you pay. What the Dallas Cowboys continue to do, and I'm sorry, TJ, this is what you're going to have to live through for the foreseeable future with Jerry Jones as the owner and that family as the owner, is that they like flashy things, you know? They like the Ferrari. They like the big yacht for virtual draft day. They don't, you know, do it from the backseat of a, a of a minivan, which is, you know, that's the that's the work ethic you have to have going forward. So all you Steeler fans, you are a lunch pail type crew. Come to work with your lunch pail. Don't come with a pretty shiny running back that does nothing for you moving forward. You need an offensive line. You need somebody to protect Ben Roethlisberger. You're bringing back an aging quarterback. Get somebody to protect him. That's what the that's what you need to do. You don't need a running back in the first round. You can get a running back somewhere else. You thought you would never be able to replace Le'Veon Bell. Did it immediately with a guy out of Pittsburgh. You can do it again, okay? You can do it again. That's the philosophy. I want to see it. Cowboys didn't need C.D. Lamb last year. They needed a defensive player. They didn't get it. C.D. was the best player available at that moment. See, that's the thing. No. He's not. No. They're a dime a dozen. Wide receivers are a dime a dozen. C.D. Lamb's a great player. Could have found a C.D. Lamb kind of guy later. Justice Everson was a great, great pick last year. But guess what? Didn't do anything to change the, the win-loss record for the Minnesota Vikings. They're not, that's not what they do. Passers, pass protectors, guys who get the passer. That's what changes win or loss. All right? When we get back, Ross Tucker will join us. He'll talk all things NFL Draft and O-Lyman. This is the Rich Eisen Show, and I'm Ryan Leaf. We'll be right back. <laughs> 